For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you went on the button, large judgment. My arms went down, didn't teach what I found. I didn't recognize you for this anymore. I don't wanna be defeated, I don't wanna be defeated, I don't wanna be defeated, I don't wanna be defeated. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode number 199. Of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where, if you don't know by now, I, your host, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. We've got an amazing episode. He's back for a third time, Mr. Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath. But right now, more importantly, His solo project, The Almost, has a brand new album that just came out like last week, week before. It's a banging record. It's really, really cool. It's got a really cool story behind it. We talk all about that. And it's just great to have Aaron back. He's one of my very, very good friends in music. And he's always got something to say. You know, he speaks his mind. I love that about him. And this is a great episode. Welcome aboard. I gotta just tell you some news first. So I just mentioned it's episode 199. Next week, episode 200. I'm excited. You should be excited as well. Come back, hit the subscribe button, make sure you're here on Wednesday morning for when I release episode 200. It is a very big milestone. I'm very excited about it, but... Tomorrow is Halloween, and we have a very special Halloween episode with Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills. Could there be a more Halloween-y guest than Spencer? So he's back on the show talking about all the success that Ice Nine Kills has had over the last year, year and a half, whatever it's been. They're just killing it right now. So that's a really cool episode. So yes, so hit the subscribe button again. Make sure tomorrow you got your schedule cleared. It's not a long episode. It's kind of a quick little micro episode, if you will. But we're celebrating Halloween on Lead Singer Syndrome, just like we did, what was it, last time with Guar, Blothar from Guar on the Halloween episode. So I wanted to do something special, and Spencer was super cool with doing it, and he obliged, and um, check it out tomorrow. A very special edition of the podcast for Halloween. If you want to get in touch with me, you know how to do that. Maybe you do by now. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my email. I try to get back to most people. I'm not the best, but I try. Uh, Feel free to add the show to social media. Just search for it. It'll come up, Lead Singer Syndrome. And uh, you can... Find me on there too. Mine's just at Shane Told all the way across the board. Very, very easy. And in case you didn't know, 
my band Silverstein, we got a big tour planned for next year. We are celebrating 20 years as a band. We're starting out in Australia, going over and playing the Unify Festival, which is going to be very exciting. We're playing the Philippines. We're playing Hawaii. We're doing a European tour in Germany and the UK. And after that, we're playing the US and Canada with Four Years Strong and I the Mighty, two of my friends, friends of the show and great bands. It's not to be missed. If you live in any of those places, the tickets are on sale now at Silverstein20.com. That's Silverstein20.com. And yeah, it's very exciting stuff. We're in the studio right now. I'm recording this from a studio. So maybe this sounds a little better than usual than my my wherever I record it, my car or on my couch. Um, but we're in the studio right now. We're almost done the new Silverstein record. It's coming out great too. So keep your ear to the ground for all the stuff regarding that. It's uh, It's very exciting times. If you want to help out this show, there's a great way to do that. And it costs you only a few bucks every month. It's called the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And the link to check it out is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And yes, it starts at $6 a month. That gets you in. That gets you access to an amazing community of like-minded people, fans of the show, including myself. I'm on there. We talk every single day. It's the place you can get Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise Uh, for free, shipped to your house. Also, we have tons of bonus content coming right at you. Episodes with non-lead singers, which are pretty fun once in a while. A few lost episodes along the way that for some reason never aired on the show. So maybe you've listened to all 199 episodes and you want more. Maybe you just want to support the program. Whatever your intention is, it is what keeps this show going, making it happen every single week. For 199, 200 next week. And we've got a little Halloween special coming up tomorrow. All this stuff is because of the members of the All Access Club. Shout out to my sinners worldwide. So all I ask is if you listen to this program and you don't mind giving back to me to keep it going, just check out the link. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Here it is, my conversation with Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath and The Almost. Man. Hey, buddy. How are you? Fantastic, dude. Nice to talk to you. Good. Good. You too, man. I was surprised. I saw you on my uh, thing today. I'm stoked. That's awesome. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> I didn't know until this morning. I mean, I got like uh, uh, I got like a schedule this morning, and you were on it. I was like super. Oh, stoked. cool, cool. No, it yeah, was it was dude. actually done kind of last minute. So it was like oh, cool. Just cool, cool. Like a few days ago. Um, mm. I feel like um, I mean, dude. Congrats on the new record. Uh, but first off, man, thanks. Um, Thank you, man. I had a couple days to kind of, you know, listen to it. They sent it to me early. Uh, it nice. is, it's awesome. It's, it, there's, Thank a, you, and there's man. a lot to digest, man. It means um, a lot coming from your friends, you know, I think that, yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, Thank you. I've, I've known you for so long. I mean, yeah, it's been this years, is your, man. This is your third time on the podcast. Uh, only yeah. one other person's ever been on three times. Um, three times, dude. I'm a, I'm a, I usually give me stock. I'm just kidding. I'm a, ve- I'm a veteran. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, I'll send you a, I'll send you a birthday gift or something. Uh, there you go. Thanks, there for, you the, go. thanks for the hours of your time. Um, listening yeah, to Babylon. It's my pleasure. It's um, my pleasure. But I feel like, uh, first off, man, I feel like this kind of record kind of came out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, you know, under oath's back. It's like, you're doing erase me. You're doing all these tours. I saw you this summer. Um, yeah. You know, with with Corn and Allison Chains, and now all yep. of a sudden here you are with like this super polished, very well thought out record. Uh, have you been working on this for like years? Did it, did you just kind of have this window of time? Like, 
where you said, okay, yeah, I, I have I, this inside me. I have to get it out. How did it, how did it all kind of, kind of come to fruition? I want to say like, I want, I all week I've been wanting to say like, yeah, man, you know, this is my life's work. I've been working on this for like five years, but I, when we were doing, we did a tour at the end of, uh, end of the year last year called the Erasing Tour. And it was, it was like, it was one of those tours that you like thought would never happen, you know, in terms of a headliner. It was just the best rooms we've done, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, successful, successful, like our most successful to date. And it was, and I'm happy, you know, like I, I was so super stoked. Um, but I started having all these ideas for songs and when the, when the almost initially happened, like in 07, uh, it was during when we were doing the whole define a great line thing. And I had written all these songs and just didn't fit the under oath format at the time, you know? Right. Of course. And I guess, I guess now with under oath, we've made this decision, you know, a couple of years ago, we got back together. Like it would, there wouldn't be that like under oath quotations format anymore. We would just make songs that were the best we could make, you know? Yep. Um, so we had a record that just had come out. We were on our first real headlining tour off of it, but I had all these ideas. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to start writing songs. And I've been doing like, um, like a lot of co-writing with EDM artists and stuff and pop artists and just, just kind of write, just writing, you know, just working. Um, so it's like, I don't know what this stuff is, but when we get home from this tour, this would have been like December of last year. Um, I'm like, we get on this tour. I'm just going to go. I have a little uh, a studio like a mile from my place. And I'm like, I'm just going to go in and just record these, you know, just like demo with them out and see. Um, and then I, I ended up writing a song a day for like the whole month of January of this year. Like I wrote like, and not even more than 30 songs, but I kept writing and kept writing and kept writing. And eventually Randy, uh, my manager and I, we started having a conversation like, Maybe we should put this out. Like, well, how do we do it? What, what is it? You know, like it was right. that whole thing. Like right. there's these songs, like where do they live? Like, who are these songs? And, um, and I, we kind of had collaborative idea, like let's bring the almost back and do like a thing. And we've been, we've been kicking around the past couple of years. Like somebody wanted to do a 10 year Southern weather tour, which would have been 2017. But at that yeah. point, you know, we were, we were like ankle deep and, making the new under oath record. And I just wasn't there, you know? So this yeah. is a, this is kind of a classic case of like the reason it happened the first time is like, I had these <laughs> songs right. and I want, I want to, and I, I think, which is the beauty in this project for me is it's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like a conduit that I can like put things that I'm really passionate about, but don't have a home. You know what I mean? Totally. So, well, it seems like you're, yeah. ins- you're inspired now for this record, the same way you were inspired for the first uh, record southern southern weather i mean yeah yeah that's, and that's a really yeah. cool thing except of course you've grown as a person over whatever it's been 12 years um you know mm-hmm. you've changed you've been through relationships coming and going birth of your totally. son you know just totally. all this different yeah. perspective the way religions changed in your life um oh my phone is ringing well, it sounds like you're in an office building you have I, a I'm landline in, i i'm in my parents house that's why hang on a second oh gotcha So, um, hello. Sorry about that. So we, the landline. We, I know my, my parents are old school, dude. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, my parents are, um, I probably shouldn't say this on the, on the radio, uh, on the podcast, but my parents are out of town. Uh, this won't be up for weeks anyways. They'll be home when you uh, listen to fine. this, but, uh, yeah, uh but they're out of town. So I'm just kind of like watching over their house and well, Silverstein, we're making a record in Toronto. So it's just uh-huh. like 25 minutes away. Oh, um, nice. But, but that call, so we have a federal election in Canada um, and the election day is on Monday, and that was the okay. fucking conservatives calling uh, to try Whoa. to to try to get us to vote. Like the the party, like I can't stand. Um, so like, you guys, so how does it work in Canada? Excuse my in in in, in ignorance. But you guys have like conservatives, and then what else? Like, we have well, our two main parties, kind of like the um, uh, Republicans and Democrats, are conservatives right. and liberals. Oh, so it's just it's just straight up. They give you the whole explanation in the name. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so much it's easier much, if we did that here. Except the colors are reversed. Uh, liberal is red here, and conservative is blue. 
Just just to make it a little oh, more confusing. Wild. Uh, so just you make the name easy, then flip the uh, the colors. I yeah, love it. I know. And then I uh, love it. well, then we have like we do have other parties too, though. So like, and other parties do actually. Um, I don't and know they about, fund. They're so they're funded. Like you're allowed to. Yeah, they're actually votable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I think the the third party, like the third highest party, is called NDP, and they're like even more progressive than liberals uh, generally. And they have like I don't know what they have now, like maybe like seventeen percent or something. So they still have like a chunk, and they will That's win. Cool. They'll win like certain. Um, they'll win like quite a few seats, and then they'll also win like uh, uh, it, like on the you know, provincial level uh, and the municipal level, they'll win, like, all the time in different different regions of the country. So, That's cool that you have different parties to yeah, choose Yeah, and there's from. also I mean, a, Quebec, a yeah. Quebec party called the Bloc Quebecois, and their, their whole thing, um, and I, I pr- pardon my ignorance, any Canadians listen, listening to this if I'm wrong, but their whole thing, initially at least, was, like, they wanted to separate from Canada. So they were, like, the separatist I, I party. I read about that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But they but they have, like, quite a bit of clout, too, you know, in Quebec. So, yeah, it's it's different up here. But we have a big election, and it's a very important one because, uh, well, we I we just I don't want I don't want us to go backwards again, you know? Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we can't even, let's not, let's not even get anyway, started on dude, that. I could, know, I know. We could go for an hour on that in here, but, <laughs> Totally, yeah. man. Well, sorry about the interruption. Um, no, come on. It's awesome. Uh, well, I forget, totally forget where we were. Me too. Um, you were okay. talking about, I, I don't remember. I feel like I was making a great point. I, I probably was, let's be honest. You were saying something, you were saying something sick. But no, I think it was just about, you know, comparing making your first almost record to this one and, you know, yeah, the similarities, yeah. but also the, the major differences. But I read, and this is, this is, I just love this cause I can like picture this in my head. Um, have you seen the movie Tommy Boy? Of course. Okay. I almost picture you driving out with Matt Squire uh, <laughs> yeah. in a U-Haul to California, apparently getting kicked out of an Airbnb. Oh, my I, God. I picture, like, for some reason I can only picture Tommy Boy when they take the road trip. I don't know why. <laughs> or maybe Dumb and Dumber, but <laughs> I don't mean to be insulting. Dude, that's <laughs> what it was like. It was wild. <laughs> Like, so, I, I mean, I'll unpack it a little bit for you. I had rented, so I took my, I, I ordered cases and, like, literally put my whole studio in, like, rolling road cases, like you would put yeah. guitar amps in. Um, so I, I rewired this whole thing, and I'm alone, right, at this point. Like, so I, I rent a U-Haul van, just like a cargo van, you know, like a metal empty back with a grate and yeah. the full thing. So I wrap all this stuff up, and I drive nine hours to to Joshua Tree, California. And and management had found this place, this Airbnb that said, they don't care what you do. Like, you can make noise 24 hours a day. Blah, blah, blah. So I get there, and Matt's slated to come in that night, and we're going to start that night. So I get there. I set everything up. It takes me like five hours, right? I'm running Snake and Cables, and I get there, and I realize I forgot all of the symbols for the drum kit. Okay. So, like, I'm nine hours from where I live. So I go to I go to Guitar Center and spend like twenty five hundred dollars on cymbals. Oh, so I get. When was the last time was, you actually had to buy cymbals? <laughs> I sound so douchey saying that, but it's been a long time. It's probably been like it's twenty years. I know, dude. Yeah, cymbals, and cymbals are so expensive. Oh my dude, god, geez, people are nuts. I literally like I I picked up this ride cymbal and I was like, how much does this one cost? And I feel so stupid and like you know like white people problems even like saying that, but like it was five hundred and twenty five dollars my oh normal my ride cymbal, and I was like. God. I can't buy this fucking thing. Like, what am I going to do? So anyways, I buy all this stuff. So that, I, that started it. And I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be bad. So I get back. Matt comes in. I'm like, I'm over the $2,500. I'm like, let's just have a good time and make this record. And we record two takes of a drum track. And there's a policeman at the door. Wow. And I'm like, I mean, I'm talking about 12 minutes. Like, I mean, it was so fast. And then (laughs) this dude, this dude is like, and it's so weird because he's like walking around all corners of the house, shining his flashlight in. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're so screwed. So I call Randy, our manager. And I'm like, what do I do? He's like, just go to bed. It's 11 p.m., you know. Right. And I'm wondering, like, there's nobody around. I'm like, what is happening? So like, anyways, we go to bed, wake up the next day, we start cutting some guitars to that song. Within five minutes, five minutes, the Airbnb owner calls, you're kicked out. 
And we're like, they gave us all our money back with the whole thing. But I'm like, well, I have one week, like in between under oath tours to make this album. And it's just me recording so I can do it quickly. But like, what am I going to do? Like at this point, I've got all my gear out here. Yeah. You know, we've bet, we've bet all the money on one horse. Like, so Matt and I spent an hour, two hours. It's two of us now. So it's quicker. So we loaded this whole studio up into my van. And at this point we're homeless. So <laughs> totally dumb and dumber. And we're like driving around the desert while management is calling around and there's some studios out in Joshua tree, you know, like the guys from uh, Queens of the stone age owner place. Okay. There's another, there's, there's is only really the only like super real studio. A lot of the places out there are sort of like, like fashion there, there'll be a recording studio there, but it's for like people from LA to go and take pictures. You know what I mean? Right, it's like right. a, yep. it's like an Instagram type thing. So we're calling around. Nothing's available. One place is like gorgeous online, but, there's nobody there because they really only go there to take photos for Instagram. So we're like, we're so screwed. So we find a studio finally. And it's this place called Gatos. And it's super cool. It's this old barn on this guy's property. And it's really in the middle of nowhere, like 15 miles from the gas station. So we get there and he's like, I'm like, look, I'll pay you up front. I just have to get this done. So he has this studio with this big console and these sliding doors that open onto the end of the desert. It's amazing. We get there and he goes, well, you can't use the studio. I'm like, what? Like, he goes, I have a local band coming in a couple of days. And I'm like, dude, can I call them? Like, I'll pay them. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. I'll pay them to push their project like three or four days. Like, I just, I'm screwed. Like, we're, this is in between the Breaking Benjamin tour and something else we did. So, like, I had to, like, get it done in this time frame. So, and at this point, I've got Matt Squire in Joshua Tree and a van and all my stuff. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like, no, sorry. He's like, but I have a house that I live in on the property. And I'm like, how much is it to rent your house? Right. Cause we were recording in a house initially. So this dude slept on the couch in his studio and we rented his house and made this album. Oh my God. And that the studio crazy. just sat in, the studio just sat empty except for like, a 12 hour period where there was a local band in for like two sessions. But we, it was so wild because we made this whole album on a property that is a gorgeous studio, but just in a house. So you really only, only spent an hour, uh, sorry, a week doing this record. We recorded for six actual days cause we lost a day due to the, due to the fuckery. So yeah, man, uh, six days, that's, six days. That's and, and, insanely fast. Wow. And that's to say like, you know, the nature of this, this project, I like did really good, uh, pre-production and demos. You know what I mean? So like I, I yeah. spent yeah. a couple of months like writing these tracks. So it wasn't like I showed up and you there was like no like, bridges. Out, so. Yeah. You'd have to like no. work out a lead or anything. Like you had that all. No. And I was doing an interview yesterday and they're like, wow, that's amazing. But I, when you really break it down, like, I don't want to give myself too much credit because it was all my gear, like all my studio gear, all my like music here, like, and I literally just know all the sweet spots. I know how to get the sound. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. and Matt Squire and I have worked for months and months and months together on erase me. So we have each other's number, like workflow wise, you know? So it totally. was like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, Aaron's amazing. It was more like we had our shit figured out so we could do it. But so maybe this yeah. is an obvious question, but if you have all your studio gear in a studio and obviously Matt Squire has a studio, why are you going to this random location nine hours away from you you know yourself to make this record it's a really good question uh, <laughs> no, I, I was you ever like you're in a band and, and you know we've toured with each other and and we've had weird conversations at night and the whole thing about just doing something different or like yeah you know you, you you can't just do the same thing over and over again you know and i we had made this album in 2017 that came out last year's under oath and it was um it was like a long process, like a traditional rock and roll process where it takes a long time and you do a month of pre-production and, um, and it's great. And I, and I like that approach, but what I really wanted to do was like make a destination album. Like you see, I guess as a kid, you see like all these, um, these documentaries about like bands going somewhere, you know, like the stone to the exile, yeah. like how they went to France to, to get out of taxes and end up making this record in this hot house with a truck that belonged to the Beatles out front recording the whole thing, you know, like, I just wanted to do something that was like different. And yeah. I've always loved that part of the world. Like Joshua tree is just like a, it's like a different, it's like being on the moon or Hoth or something. It's like the weirdest place. So 
we thought initially it was going to be like a super easy, cheap thing to do. And it ended up becoming a bit of a cluster, but <laughs> we worked it out and it, it was super cool, man. Like we had a, we had such a good time and Matt and I still talk about like how kind of charmed the process was and how we actually pulled it off. You know what I mean? No, totally. So, I mean, I have my notes. Yeah. It sounds like it was an adventure before you even recorded one note. And like, oh, in, dude. in some ways yeah. that, that's like, that's like, that's inspiring in, in and of itself. It's like, okay, finally we set everything up. Finally we figured this out. Now it's like, okay, now, now it's like crunch time. Here we go. Like, you know, which, which sort of feeds into, um, to make a little segue here comes into the first track on the record where you talk about coming alive in a chokehold. Right. I mean, and that, that's think- a, that's a quote that I, uh, sorry to, to cut you off, but that's no, a line that resonated with me. Um, I don't think it's about like BDSM or anything. Um, if, if, it <laughs> no. is, if it is, dude, that's cool. But uh, I just no, think good. it's like you're the kind of person that, that is elevated when you have stress or, or you're in an uncomfortable situation. Is that accurate? That's more than accurate. I mean, I think for me, like, and I'll, you know, kind of, I'll kind of explain this with a story that you and I share. Um, you know, like, I, both of our bands have toured for a long time and we've been super fortunate. You know, I think anybody that still has a job in music in 2019 is super fortunate. But like, sure. you know, we've done a lot of tours as separate bands and like, you've been to Europe a bunch of times and I've been to Europe a bunch of times and it's been amazing. But when I tell people about European touring, the first story I tell them is when you and I, yeah. and when someone sitting under us went to Europe together, we shared that bus with that awful driver and everyone got sick as shit yep. and it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. We put 21 people on a 16 bunk bus or whatever it was like, yep. and I, when I, when I, yep. yeah, when I think about, like European touring and someone asks me about it. I always tell those stories because those are more fun to talk about than <laughs> when you sold out the forum in London. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So for me, like what that song means is like, I feel like for, as an artist and as a man and uh, just as a thinker and a writer and all of those things, I do better when squeezed and not, not literally squeezed, but like when things are a little bit adverse and things are a little bit uncomfortable, I feel like I make a better, I make better art. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. so, and, and I feel like I make better decisions, which makes no sense. You know, a lot of people are like, I'm going to buy a car. I need to like research for six months. That's just not the way that I do life. Um, I feel like when there's, when there's the, the proverbial gun to my head, I can do, do act and think better, which is kind of the antithesis of how life should be. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's just how I've always been. And that's, so that song's sort of a confessional no. win. Right. But there's, you, you know, know, adrenaline is a real thing, you know, like that adrenaline rush and you hear about mothers picking up cars when their children are trapped underneath them. Like there are totally. these, these, there's some element of, of realness to that. And that's not just, that's not necessarily just, you know, your own personality, although I'm sure it is a big part of it. Um, right. But I mean, I think this record is really good, man. And, uh, hmm. it's, it's obvious that I think Thank it's you. obvious that, that now that I hear you, you put yourself in this situation, um, maybe a part of yourself <laughs> in the back of your mind knew it might kind of go wrong. Um, and that might've been what drew you to it. I mean, the whole idea of self-sabotage, that's another thing that's real that people do all the time. Don't even realize they're doing it, making the that's same funny. mistakes over and over again. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because the life that you and I lead is kind of self-sabotaging. You know what I mean? Like yeah. both of us probably should have gone to school. I don't know if you went. To, did you go to school? Uh, you I did finish. I, I did. I did do two years in college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, both of us probably should have. And blah 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 blah. Like, what if it hadn't worked? You know, like what if you couldn't pay your your mortgage by playing in a band? But I think that's the beauty of of what we do and and who we are as people. Like, not just you and I. I'm talking like collectively. You know, like I think that's the that's the beauty. Is like you don't get this kind of art by not paying for it. And what I mean by that is like, you don't, you don't get to do this wonderful, beautiful thing that some of us call a job without taking that risk. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like when you fall in love with someone, like you kind of take the risk. I was listening to your song yesterday. Do you know, I, this guy's a Canadian actually. And I just saw him play. His name's Donovan Woods. Do you know him? I know that name. I, like he's a yeah. he's a massive songwriter. Okay. He's from Canada, and apparently he's big in Canada. I don't know. I saw him open up for Casey Musgraves' husband oh, the other okay. night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any, anyway, like 
he has this song and he's and it's this there's this line in the song where he goes i wouldn't be afraid to say i love you even if you didn't say it back you know what i mean like right. and that's what like truly falling in love means and i feel like that's what musicians that do this all the time have done is you you kind of pour your heart your soul your love your your everything into this and you don't know if it'll give back to you you don't you know what I mean? And I can say this for you and I can say this for me in the beginning. We would have paid to do this and we did. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it was like, well, we, like paid, you, we paid financially and we paid, you know, with our own souls and emotions. I mean, you know, absolutely. Totally. totally. So for me, that's kind of the crux of the whole thing is like, I just, I want to make honest stuff. And I've been so lucky, you know, like so freaking lucky to be able to, to do this for as long as I have. So for me, it's just, that's kind of the goal. It's like, I want to make this honest, real stuff in under oath in this band, um, in, in every facet, you know, because I, I get, I'm allowed to do this, which is like, you know, there's a thousand guys playing in a thousand bars tonight that are more talented than I'll ever be. Um, and they got to go to work tomorrow at Burger King or whatever. You know what I mean? So like, I'm just, I'm just thankful dude, honestly, to have a job in music in 2019. So yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um, I gotta say, uh, I was not expecting the U2 cover. Uh, Me neither. <laughs> did that, did that come with the whole Joshua tree? Like, did you just, did something come over you? Like, well, I met the Joshua tree. Might as well cover a song from the Joshua tree. Uh, is that yeah, the story? Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, there's a little more thought out than that. I, I, that's like my favorite album ever made. Joshua tree it's from U2. Record. And I, and I, it's really hard to like, it's really hard to cover certain songs, right? Like it's really hard to like, I think there's some, some rules to like covering songs as a band. Like you can't cover the Beatles. You know what I mean? But like you can kind of cover a couple Rolling Stones songs, maybe. And okay. I like the Rolling okay. Stones more than the Beatles. Don't, don't, don't shoot me. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's probably not a good idea for you to cover Jeff Buckley. Like well, that's it's prob- just probably I'll give you that one, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I have, I have these weird unspoken rules about covers and I like sometimes live solo, I'll play like streets have no name. And I put it on like this small release record that I did a few years back, but I would, I didn't really talk about it or like allow it to be like, you know, publicized. Um, and I feel like with you too, like you can't go out and, and cover with or without you. I, you just can't like, it's wrong to me. Like you'll never ever do it justice. But I feel like with in God's country, like, the, the album version, I don't love. Like, I just, I'm like, yeah, it's great. But, but I heard this live version while we were gearing up for this, this to make this record. And I, I can't, I wish I could remember, like, which live version it is. But there's this live version, and it's way like the, the version that I recorded. Like, it's not as uh, subdued as the album version, right, if right. you will. It's got, like, you know, U2 Live at that time was like, dude, it was like a... I wish I would have seen it. Like Randy, my manager, he saw the Joshua Tree tour two nights in a row. Like he went in New York and then left. And he said like people were singing one in the parking lot. He's like, dude, it was the most insane experience. He's, you know, and this dude's seen a billion shows. He's in his forties or whatever. And he, he was like, I've never seen anything like it. He goes, I literally bought tickets from a scalper like the next wow. day to go see it again. And I, and if you know anything about Randy, like he's like, anti-scalping like if you follow his twitter he's always reposting reposting stuff about like ticket fraud and like he's into the music tech world you know so he's like super like (laughs) super against that so so that live version i can see why he would buy tickets from a scalper so the live version is really what gave me kind of the juice in the tank to to make the cover and also like where we were and the spirit of the whole thing and i think that that cover kind of it kind of ties the record together in a weird way. And like, I've never been like a covers guy, but it, it, uh, it just, for me, it kind of puts the bow on the, on the package. No, so. it's true. And I, I can't really remember ever hearing you do a cover actually. Not really my thing, man. It. Like maybe I heard you cover like something acoustic once, like Radiohead. Maybe. maybe. I don't I know. I heard you cover, but, uh, no, but this, I, I really heard like Bono in you. Like I, I, Obviously, you don't sound like like Bono, but I could hear it. And maybe it's just his melodies, or I've heard that song so many times. But I could sure. hear it; like it was really cool. I thought it was a, you did a really great job. Thank and you, I've man. grown, 
I've grown to kind of hate you too, mostly because Same. for some fucking reason, <laughs> dude, when I plug in, I have like an iPhone, you know, like a 10, like a, you know, my phone's pretty new. For some reason, when I plug my phone into like a rental car or like, oh or something, God. that U2 album that they put on everybody's phone that I've tried <laughs> to delete, it still comes up, man. It's still, I cannot get, it's like a bad penny. It's just like, it keeps uh, turning up. I cannot get rid of it. And that is not a good record. I'm sorry. No, you two, you two, uh, in my opinion, like you two, I have a YouTube tattoo. It's like something that I love, but I haven't, I haven't purchased or sought out a YouTube album since out of this meal on time of fall, which was <laughs> probably 2007. Yeah. Or I, they, I mean, at some point, at some point it's okay go out and tour and just play the hits. Like when you've made that many great records and you've had this much success, it's like, okay, man, like, yeah, you're okay. Like you're all right. Like if you go into the studio and you know that you wrote where the streets have no name and then you're writing like get on your boot song, whatever it's called, it might be time to like look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay. Like, but then again, that's the thing. That's, I mean, that's a cool conversation. Like, yeah, those dudes are just doing what we're trying to do and make art that they love. And people, some people don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, and some people do, and like, we all deal with that. You know, and that's like a super. That's a super interesting thing. Yeah, it, it is. That, I can't well, wrap my brain around. I just think it's interesting that on any any level of music, like you two, is at the very very top. Um, right there, they've got to be, if not the Obviously. biggest band in the world, like in the top three or five biggest bands mm-hmm. in the world. And even at that level, they have the same issues that that like, you know, bands on our level have. You know, they think. Oh, I mean, we're, they, we're over here bitching about it, and then it, someone's gonna bitch about our new record, and we're gonna be salty, right? You know what I mean? It's like, exactly, it's like, yeah. right? It's 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 exactly. But um, but you know, I actually think you two they stayed relevant with their new music, kind of well, like well past when they should have. Like, uh, totally. they were still making like the beautiful day and all that, like. That shit was pretty decent, and they, you know, and they'd yeah, already been totally. a band. They've been already been a band for like well over, well over like twenty five years, and they were ma- making like, like pretty good, putting out some pretty good songs. Like, I mean, when was the last time you brought the Rolling Stones? Like, when was the last time they even put out original music? I mean, they've that's, been touring on the hits for like literally thirty years, haven't they? I wonder how. I wonder how you know. Like, I wonder what. Like, I mean, obviously, neither one of us are bands that size, and. It would be cool to be, but like, you know, wonder when you know, like, hey, like, we should like not make any more songs. <laughs> like, I wonder when that becomes. I wonder when that's like a thing where you're like, yeah, you know what, you guys just want to go on tour and play the hits. Yeah, me too. Okay, yeah. sick. Like, well, I wonder. I wonder when that's. Thing. I had I had the guy, uh, the dude from Real Big Fish, Aaron Barrett, on the uh, podcast. This is years ago now. But I asked him, uh-huh. like, can, when can we expect a new Real Big Fish record? And he said, and I thought he was maybe, I thought he was kidding, but I'm still not sure. He said, uh, there won't be any new music. The Real Big Fish discography is complete. Really? <laughs> That's what he said. I, I, I don't know. Oh, if, my gosh. I, I have to, I'd have to look, like, look up and see if they've made anything lately and if he was just fucking with me. But that goes to what you're saying. I mean, maybe at some point you just decide, well... How, you know, how many more upstrokes can we do? Or, like, you know, we've put wow. lots of sick horn parts on this, and, like, maybe it's time just to enjoy it. I don't know. It's, that's, I mean, that's that's scary, though, for me. Like, that makes me want to, like, that makes me just go into, like, this brain hole of, like, you know, with Erase Me, the last Under Oath record, like, a lot of people liked that record, and a lot of people were pissed. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people were like, where's my band from 07? And you know, and, and the conversation with a with a musician is always you want the same thing over and over again. Then we're duping you, you know. Like as the fan, like if we made you define the real line part two, we're not we're doing you a disservice. You know, we're not giving you our best foot forward. We're not, we're not giving you our honesty. You know what I mean? But I wonder at some point, like like how far will fans go with a band? You know, I think about that all the time. How far will fans go with an artist? Like how much can you grow and evolve? In quotation marks in the way that you want to before fans are like, okay, you know what? I'm going to move on. You know what I mean? Like with the, with the under oath album, like people loved it and people hated it. And I think it was polarizing for some people, but I think it was a good thing for us at that juncture. It had been a decade since we made an album, but I wonder how long you can do that 
before you have to say what the real big fish guy said, which was just like, you know what? It's complete. Like we've got everything <laughs> we need. Like, I wonder how long, I wonder how long that goes before you just have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I just need to make music under a different moniker or a different right. name. I wonder, I, I think about that all the time. Like, you know, how far can you go? Not that I want to push it to the limit, but I'm interested. Where's, where, where's the edge of the precipice, you know, like, where is, you know, how do you guys do that? Like, do you feel like, you're making a record now. You said earlier, yeah. like, yeah. How far do you? How far are you pushing it now? And do you want to push it further? Well, it's interesting because I feel like we've we've had this thing with Silverstein like over the years. This is our ninth album, which is pretty crazy. And jeez, and every one of our records has been very very much a natural progression to where we've never right. like spoken about the direction of the record until we've kind of written at least I want to say seventy five percent of the record. And then we go, okay, how are we going to fill in the gaps? Like, what are we missing in this record that we need to make this a complete record? Like, do we need a really mellow song? Do we need something heavier? Do we just need a couple, like, in-between tracks? Like, what do we need? And then that's right. when we finish a record. So by the time we're kind of done the record, we haven't actually, like, talked about it. But also, I feel like when bands talk a big game before they make a record, like, they go in the studio and they say something, like, on Twitter, like, this is going to be the heaviest record we've ever made. And then they go in the <laughs> yeah. studio and then they try to make a really heavy record and then it's just shitty because they were not yeah. doing yeah. what they, you know, they weren't, they weren't doing something that was natural, that came like naturally to them. Then it's bad. So this record, I think for the first time, uh, I haven't spoken about this at all, but um, this record is going to be different. There's no question. Like we, we've definitely taken, gotcha. taken some, some steps in some different directions which I am really excited about because we haven't done that before. We, this is definitely going to be, I think, the biggest step we've taken between records. It's also been longer, too. It's also been like three it's years since we've had a yeah. record. So I think that that makes a difference, too. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we don't, that's the, we don't really talk about it. We, it just kind of happens. And I, I feel like that's See, kind of an honest way to do it. With this, you know, with this Almost record and with the last Under Oath record, we, we didn't, we didn't, we, it's, we never did it under oath. We never sat down and said, okay, you know, this is going to be our heavy album. This is going to be, we all, we all are into different things. And mm-hmm. I think we're all the most chameleonic people. Like we get in this situation where we, we all are listening to different things or reading different things or whatever. And then we end up just coming out with something and people like it or they don't. But I feel like that's the only real way. Like what you're saying is the only real way to do it. Like the yeah. only real way, the only real way to give people art that's truth is by you just have to kind of go and do it right like and if it's if it's polarizingly different or or exactly the same you hope that your public follows you but like i think that's the only way to do it and in, in a case of this this almost record that came out today actually um you know it's like i just wanted to, to i didn't even think about what it sounded like literally you know, and that's a weird sentence. Like, that's a weird statement to go, I don't know what it sounds like. You know what I mean? Like, I, I when we made Erase Me for Under Oath, I don't, people would ask me, and I'd go, I don't know. It's really different. And <laughs> I would get the question, why is it different? I would go, I don't know. You know, yeah, it's been 10, it's, it's been it's, 10 years. So it's because this you, is what you have. Yeah, it's because you think of your own art, you're so immersed in it that you don't like always know, oh, is this heavy? Well, like, something could be really heavy to someone else because it's like, got screaming and like maybe like a uh one of those like dissonant sounding chords over it and like the drums are like really slow but then like something could be heavy to you because of like what it means you know and like and how emotionally like how much emotional turmoil turmoil is turmoil turmoil is in um what did you say a minute ago camille Chameleon. Chameleon. Chameleonic. That's a fucking word. I never heard that word before. I love it. I don't know. I don't even know if it's a word. I don't know Is it either. a word? <laughs> We're just talking shit. Talking <laughs> but, shit on a Friday. But seriously, though, there, there's so much difference between, you know, uh, the, emo- the idea of emotionally heavy and, and actually just sonically heavy. And I think sometimes those things can get confused because there's more to music than just, uh, like, or more to heavy music, let's let's call it, than just like a chug chug guitar and a scream. Totally, you know, it's it's about what totally. the feeling is. It's about how you set it up before. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of factors that come into play. You know, dude, the heaviest thing to me ever, like, was when we before Under Oath had any real traction. We were kind of a local band. You know that band Hopes Fall. They had a different singer. Yeah, and uh, they put out this EP called No, no Wings, Wings to Speak, speak of. of. 
And that's the heaviest fucking thing in the world to me because I was there for that. Like I saw them play and people like crying in the crowd. And I'm like, this is so fucking heavy. But if, you know, people listening to this podcast, you know, go buy that EP online or go download that EP on Spotify. They're going to be like, those, both those dudes are on drugs. Like, you know what I mean? They're going to be like, this is, this is truly not heavy. And I think that way about our band a lot. Like there's songs on Erase Me that I think are so heavy because I was going through a divorce when we were writing that thing. And like, you know, Spencer was getting off drugs and it was really, really a dark time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in a really heavy time. And I think that I've decided for me that heavier music is more about the content than the sound. Like it yeah. just is, yeah. you know, if like, like some guy saying, Oh, over and over again. And they're being like, a, that to me isn't heavy. I mean, it, it is on paper. It's heavy. And then sometimes dude, I, I like, I, I, there's something wrong with me. Sometimes I think that like, under oath is is isn't heavy at all and sometimes i think it is heavy you know what i mean like i feel like there's heavy songs on this this rep we dude we did uh that self-help thing last weekend yeah um and there's so many great bands right so many great bands and uh the lineup the at the end of the day there's a bunch of bands that i can't remember all the bands but the lineup at the end of the day was bear tooth i prevail us and then i did remember headline yep right and i remember i remember like being halfway through the set and thinking in my head like, which is so weird, like, you know, on stage thinking in my head, like this is like, I guess we're pretty heavy compared to a lot of these bands. <laughs> you know but then like, then like, if, you know, someone listening to this would go listen to like all the data member breakdowns or all the Apple breakdowns or bear tooth break and be like under oath is such wussies. But like looking at the other guys in my band, like the way they behave on stage and in my head being like, dude, this, this fucking heavy. You know what I mean? Like, and it's really not heavy, but it's like, it's contextually heavy for me. So I think that I've decided in my 36 years that heavy is more of a feeling for me than it is like a sound. At least so. now, at least when you're 30, when you're 36, um, uh, you know, years old, that's how you feel when you're, when you're 21, it's all about just like, okay, like how low can we tune this fucking guitar and like that kind of shit, you know? Um, Gosh, I've noticed that too. Like, I don't write and like, I don't write in all those guitar tunings, you know. So right. like, when I when I when we started making this almost record, Squire was like, "Yeah, I just finished uh, whatever record he finished, and I've got this Evertune guitar, which is a guitar that like has this thing on the back. It can never go out of tune." Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have we one have of those. we yeah, have one awesome. we have one we have one for Under Oath that we use for the studio, or whatever. He's like, "It's in B. Is that cool?" And I'm like, "What? Like, it's in B." No, that's not cool. It's not cool at all. Like, I literally, this record is in E standard. You know what I mean? So I think that, I, again, with the heavy con, you know, with the heavy conversation, like, so many under oath songs are still in drop D. Like, we yeah. just never, we never got there. Like, I don't, I, you know, we've got, so we, I don't know. It's so funny, but you're right. You know, yeah. when you're 21, you're like, man, that's so deep and so low. And I'm just like, I can't hear what Keita's singing. Help me. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's funny. funny. Well, talking about Erase Me, it's been like a year and a half, I guess, since that record came out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know you, you, you were talking about the dark times. A lot of things have changed in your life. Looking back mm-hmm. on that record, how do you feel about it now? I love it. I love it. You know, like, I, I can't do the thing anymore of like, if, if, if we as musicians who are quotation marks professional, like if you, every, every record, if you went back a couple of years or 18 months or whatever posthumously, and you were like, let me dissect how I feel about you would do that would kill you. You know, I was reading an interview with Zach Lynch from Jimmy Eat world yesterday and yeah. they were asking him to go run down and like give the, the best five Jimmy Eat world records, you know? And, and the, and the funny thing is, is he, he, he couldn't really do it, and the one he picked was was wasn't I wasn't Clarity, and it wasn't it wasn't Bleed American or whatever that one became to be. Um, but it was I can't remember what it was, but it was like some EP or something strange that was a really difficult process in the making, and that's why he remembers it fondly because it was hard to do. You know what I mean? So with me, yeah, with me with Erase Me, you know, again we were talking about like that song Chokehold and how like I thrive through those times it was a really hard time personally for me and it was a really hard time personally for spencer and as we we write lyrics together and as we were doing that it was like 
we were sort of, it was the first time on an Under Earth album, and it had been a long time that we like actually came out and said things kind of bluntly. We've always been a very like poetic, like, let's figure out how to say this that makes it ambiguous enough for anybody to make it about anything. And this, this time it was more like, let's just kind of, let's just say it. Like, let's yeah. just say how we, let's just say how we feel. And making the album, once we got to the process of making it, it was just like a shot of adrenaline to be making an album in Under Earth again. Something that I never thought, like I earnestly and honestly never thought we'd make another album. So for me, it was like, when I look back on it, I love it because it's been, it's been like a dream to be on stage with those guys again and have it work. You know what I mean? Like we could have done that rebirth tour and it sold out and it was awesome. And then we could have tried to do something and the fans could have said, no, thank you. Like we just want our old under oath, but we were able to actually like continue a career with that and have, um, a better, a better couple of years than we've ever had as a band. You know what I mean? Like, awesome. so it's just, it's just, when I look back on it, it's just a charmed time because it actually happened. You know what I mean? And whether or not it's people's favorite or least favorite or whether they think it sucks or not, like it's, it's under oath again. And for me, that makes it great. So. No, I, I really like the record. I, I had Spencer on, I think, I think it was the release date of that record too, which is funny. Uh, and, you know, we talked yeah. about the record in, in great depth and I'd gotten it early and I listened to it and, and that song still like resonated with me. And I remember hearing it and being like, that song, I hate it. That song is going to be a hit. And I told, I told Spencer that and he's like, yeah, no, we like think that song's like pretty good. I, I like, I think I like that one. And now I'm hearing it on the radio in Detroit, like all the time, man. So yeah, yeah, I, I like no, it. you were, I mean, we never, I think, I think, I think what happens a lot of artists is like, I think intention, like we were talking about earlier, like when you intend to do something, it's never what you intend it to be. Hardly ever. Like, you know, like I think in pop music, like guys get in a room and they intend to write a hit and they, they do it, you know, like, like there's some Swedish songwriters that can just write hit after hit after hit after hit. But with Under Oath, that's never been our MO. And with the almost, with this new album, I, did, I didn't like go try to make a hit, you know, which is probably why, when you had that conversation with him, it was, he was like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. You know, like, right. because I don't, I don't, I don't know that in rock music, like in the music that we all make, I don't know that it's like, that it's a good headspace to go. I'm going to go make a hit. And I know people do it. Like, but I just don't think for us and for me, like, it's just not a good place for me to be in. Like, I don't think that I can give the most honest representation of myself by trying to achieve a goal that, I, I don't even understand. No, no, absolutely. Another thing that was kind of interesting I thought about Erase Me was that you didn't sing as much lead vocal on it. You know, obviously Spencer yeah. has grown. He grew so much as a singer, you know, when you were out of the band. But mm. it's almost like bringing the almost back is maybe filling that void a little bit too. I don't know if, if there was an, you know, an obvious, like an intentional thing to sing less on, on Erase uh, I, Me uh, I, or not. I don't, again, I don't know. I, it wasn't like a, thing where I woke up and was like, I'm going to sing less, you know, or, or a thing where like, I was like, I got to make a record because I didn't get to sing as much. I think, I think with Spencer growing the way he's grown, like I, it just didn't make sense. Now it posthumously thinking about it, it didn't make sense for us to be like, like I'm going to sing and you're going to sing too. You know, I think in the beginning of Under Oath, there was me singing all the time because he was screaming all the time. So it was like this good cop, bad cop thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, totally. and so now I, I, you know, I just, I didn't feel like when you were writing the songs with him being like, this is my part. I'm going to sing this. It didn't make sense to me to like, just kind of squeegee myself in there to, for, for what, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm a big fan in music of like the way things need to be is the way they need to be. You know what I mean? Like I always think that less is more like putting 25 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. There's going to be a rupture at some point. You know what I mean? So from, yeah. for me, it's like, I'd rather just put the five pounds of shit in the five pound bag. So that was sort of the, the goal there. And then with this almost thing, I just, I just had these songs and they were like, I really think they're like the best representation of who I am right now as a person, uh, as an artist, as a songwriter, uh, all those things. And I just felt like they needed to be heard, you know? So it was just kind of like a natural thing for me to go, okay, I'm going to do this. And then we're kind of fishing around for, what is it? You know, who is it? What do we call it? What band is this? You know? So, um, <laughs> it was just kind of the natural element for it. So, yeah. Wow. 
I think it's a great record, and uh, it comes out well, literally today. When people hear this, it, today. Will, be, it will be out been out for like maybe a week or two. Check it out, and you're going yeah, on man. tour, right? You're going on tour in the new year. Yeah, in the new year. I don't. I don't remember when it starts, um, but it starts in January at some point. Um, and yeah. I'm stoked. It's uh, it's uh, just going to be like small rooms, you know, like three, five hundred cap rooms. Getting yeah. back in a van, which I oh, might cool. die from, but we'll cool. we'll see what happens. I, I I've done it a few times on solo runs and loved it. So I'm kind of stoked to do like. I think something people don't realize about touring and tour buses, like if it's 2 a.m. and you're like, yo, you know, it'll be awesome. Dairy Queen. Like you can't do that. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm pretty stoked about like about driving around and seeing some stuff. And, you know, it's kind of a whirlwind tour. It's like there's like no days off. So we'll see what happens to me. Also, I've never it since 04. I haven't really sang without in ears unless it was just like an acoustic thing. So I'm probably going to end up like bleeding from the throat, but we'll figure it out. Are you doing this uh, like solo? No, no, full band, but I'm not doing band? in-ears. Oh, okay, like, sorry, sorry, yeah. So, which is like, you know, the things you stuff in ears so you can hear yourself really good. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I haven't done like a full band without in-ears literally since 2004. So I'm not sure what's going to physically happen to my throat, but we'll see what happens. Well, uh, yeah, I see the dates here. It kicks off January 3rd in Orlando, Florida, going all the way till January 29th in Dallas, Texas. So... Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a nice little run. That should be fun. Yeah, I think so. I'm stoked. I think that uh, it'll be fun to get out and play. Like we're, I, What I'm doing on the tour is I'm doing only Southern Weather and Fear Caller songs. So I'm not playing anything from the other two albums. So I'm going to do like the, the traditional like you know 10-year album tour. Um, I'm not going to go play the songs for Southern Weather in order. I'm going to do like going to open with a Southern Weather song and then play a song off this album and then play another Southern It kind of teeter-tottered thing. So I think it'll be a cool experiment, you know, and also I'm not going to play the Southern Weather stuff in order. So, you know, you hear a Southern Weather song and then you hear one of these tracks, you're not going to hear the subsequent song. It's just going to be whatever outside the side. So I'm stoked about the set list and kind of going out and just doing something neat. And then at the end of the show, like the ballads on Southern Weather, I'm going to come out and just play them alone, which I think will be cool. So nice, dude. Yeah. Well, I'm um, stoked. Tickets are on sale. Go get them. Go get them, people. Yeah. Uh, anything else to tell the people before I let you go? No. Get the record. Get the tickets. Uh, come see us on tour and all that stuff. I'm excited to hear the Silver Team record, too. I, 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 you got me excited saying all the stuff you said earlier. Absolutely, so. man. I'll try yeah. to send you something uh, as soon as I can. And uh, Please, oh, one yeah. last question. What about Under Oath? Are you guys starting to think about a new record? What's going on there? So so we just did uh, – we just toured, like, forever. Like, Yes, I think did. when we got back together, we did not intend on touring like we just did. Uh, so we just did, you know, we did Europe in June, had like 12 days off, did eight weeks with Allison Chains and Corn, had four days off, did Australia, came home for 10 days, and then just did self-help. So we're burnt, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and then we're doing, we're going to take a month off right now, and then we're doing, uh, we're doing like a residency at the, the House of Blues at downtown Disney here in, here in Orlando for uh, the for day to remember they're like their album release so we're doing like four we're doing like four or five shows just us and them that sold out already it's freaking awesome but uh and then uh we're gonna take off for the holidays and then we we've kind of started talking about writing so i think that we'll 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 start talking about that in the new year um we we've there's like we all write music separately now which is a thing that didn't used to happen you know, like everyone has like a project studio or something. Chris is scoring movies, so he's writing more than any of us. Um, so we have a Dropbox that's filled with stuff. Um, and I don't know, like filled with stuff from the summer. Like we we, we wrote on tour uh, separately, like doing your thing. Um, so we'll start dissecting some of that stuff. But I don't I don't have a timeline. You know, I think that uh, I, 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 we want to make an album for sure. I just don't know how long it'll take. Uh, or when, you know, or what it's going to sound like again with that whole conversation. Like, I don't, we haven't talked about a direction or, uh, which we don't do anyways, but we haven't, you know, we haven't had any conversations. I think we're just going to, we're just going to let it kind of fold together, but we need, we need a little time. Uh, we, we, we ran it in the ground pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, man. Well, it's, it's awesome that you have this other project now to, uh, to fill a little bit of time and, uh, all the best with everything. Yeah. Man. And, uh, I'm yeah, sure I'll see you around you. soon. Oh, actually, you know what? One more thing. What song should I play for the people right now? 
There's. Do you have like a? Can it be a slow song? Do, it can can be it, does that have to be a fast? I would love to play oh, cool. a slow song. Sure. Cool. Play a. There's there's a song on the the record called Life that I love so much. It's Life. like a really. It's like a story. Yeah. So play okay. that one. I'll play Life. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it, Shane. Thanks, man. Talk soon. I always thought I could get what I wanted If I just pushed enough Act as sad as I wanted And something free happens From the outside in it's a gold mine It all tends to ride when you get inside Chain up all the hope Cause shit is what it's worth A new one from Aaron's project, The Almost, a great tune. And I want to thank Aaron so much for being on the program once again and just for being the best. Under Oath is taking a little bit of a break for now. They'll be back. But make sure you check out The Almost and Aaron when he comes through your town. And make sure you check out the special Halloween episode with Spencer of Ice Nine Kills tomorrow and next Wednesday Episode 200, baby. It's awesome. I'm so excited. I'll leave you with another tune because why not? It's what we do around here. I'm going to play my favorite of the new Under Oath jams. The song I predicted would be a hit. Here is I Hate It on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.